Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informing life on the Paradise Coast. Oh, here's Bob. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Conditioning's longest established air conditioning company. And you can find out more by visiting johnsonsairconditioning.com. We've got terrific guests for today's show, including William Yateman. He's a research fellow at the Institute. We'll be talking about things, debates, and, uh, well, we'll talk about uh, Michael Flynn's situation as well. Bob McClure, he is CEO of the James Madison Institute, talking about their latest study, Battleground States 2020. Sharon Kenny is the author of Where Should We Eat? We'll be talking to her about dining entertainment. And Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep, will be with us as well. It is October the 9th, and on this day in 1635, religion Roger Williams was his Bay Colony by the General Court spoken out of dissent state Native American. This is what it was like, you know, uh, if you don't agree with us, you're banished. After leaving Massachusetts, Williams, with the assistance of the Narragansett tribe, established a settlement at the junction of two rivers near nearly located in present Island. He declared the settlement open to all those seeking freedom of conscience and the removal of the church from civil matters, and many dissatisfied Puritans came. Taking the success of the venture as a sign of God, Williams called it Providence. Among those who uh, found a haven in the Anne Hutchinson exiled from Jesus for religious reasons, and some of the first Jews to settle in North America and the Quakers. In Providence, Williams also founded the first Baptist church in America and edited the first dictionary of Native American languages. All that happening on 1635. The Florida Department of Health found 79 new cases and two additional deaths in Collier County on Thursday. Uh, the seven-day average is moving up. It's now... Uh, 42. It's moved up from 34 in just the last week. Hopefully, uh, we're just seeing a little spike here. It'll go down again. That's our hope. We don't know. Uh, 26 are hospitalized, which is way down from about 140 about a month ago. Well, uh, South Florida radio host Andy Slater reported the Florida governor has given clearance for Hard Rock Stadium to go full capacity of 65,000. DeSantis spokesperson followed up with Slater clear that after the governor's recently dropped COVID-19 restrictions, all Florida stadiums were able to go to full capacity, Slater added, which appears to clear the way for Fullerton, Jacksonville, and Tampa Bay as well. According to Slater, said that they plan to stick to the 13,000 attendance capacity for the next home game. The Chargers, the 25th, Hard Rock averages 11,722 through two home games for the Dolphins. The Dallas Cowboys lead the NFL in attendance with an average of 23,000. So this is a great decision on the part of the governor. Of course, people are going to be taking online decisions whether they'd like to or not. Uh, some will make bad They may get sick. But the, the main thing is the governor is allowing Floridians to make their own decisions about their own health and their own lives. And I'm confident that most people will make good decisions. Well, the Florida wildlife is a little safer now that the law on ever measured in Florida has been killed. These uh, two hunters, they uh, caught this record-breaking specimen in the South Florida water. Managed 104 pounds. She wasn't the heaviest snake. 18 feet, 9 inches. She was the longest. Can you imagine that? 
Even making their feet even more important is the fact that the reptile was an egg-bearing female, said district spokesperson. The voracious Asian imports have been wreaking havoc in the South Florida ecosystem. Not only do they eat wildlife, but they carry a lung-destroying parasite that's spreading into Florida native snakes. Though it's illegal to release uh, these species in the wild, pet Burmese pythons that have escaped or dumped are now established in Florida. Uh, they've caught about 5,000 invasive pythons in the Everglades since they started this capture program to eliminate pythons. Well, President Trump is scheduled to make his first on-camera interview. That'll happen today. He's going to be on the Tucker Carlson Show. Great choice. The interview will take place at 8 p.m. for Mark Siegel evaluation and interview during the the public has largely received information about the patient only from his daily tweets and up his medical. White House physician Sean Conley sent out a memorandum earlier in the to public engagements this week and has completed his course of therapy for the disease. Also, if you haven't heard, President Trump will be hosting, that's right, hosting, not a guest on, hosting the entire Rush Limbaugh show today for the uh, three-hour period, running from noon until 3 p.m. You can hear it right here in the Paradise Coast, 92.5 Fox News. President Trump also told Sean Hannity during an interview Thursday that his campaign is trying to make last-minute arrangements for holding weekend rallies in Florida, Pennsylvania, and White House physician Sean Connolly cleared him for these public engagements. Uh, The 2020 election, of course, is less than four weeks away, and President is gearing up to, uh, as he did last time, leave it all on the field, as he did in 2016. Americans are casting ballots ahead of the November 3rd election at an unprecedented pace, pointing to a possible record turnout for the matchup of President Donald Trump and challenger Joe Biden. More than 6.6 million folks have voted so far, more than 10 times the number who had at this time in 2016. The shift has been driven by an expansion of early and mail-in voting in many states as a safe way to cast ballots during the coronavirus pandemic and an eagerness to weigh in on the political future of Trump, Michael McDonald of University of Florida said. And I think that's absolutely true. Can you imagine being a a Biden supporter saying, boy, I can't wait to get my vote out for Joe Biden? Well, I think a lot of folks are uh, eager to vote for President Donald Trump. Linda and I will be taking our ballots down to Enterprise Avenue this afternoon to cast our votes today. That will be the uh, supervisor of of, uh, elections office. A solid majority of 56% of Americans say they're better off now than they were four years ago. That according to a Gallup survey, only 32% said they're worse off than four years ago. The number is, uh, as Laura Ingram noted on Thursday night, the highest Gallup ever recorded. Historically speaking, this is President Trump as he seeks re-election right uh, around previous presidential elections when an incumbent has been seeking re-election in the mid-80s. Never has this number been this high. Can you imagine that? President Barack Obama was at about 45%. uh, Well, and all the presidents were under 50%. They're a little bit underwater, under the 50% level uh, just before their election. So, again, another good sign for the president that uh, people are even during this pandemic, feeling better off than they were four years ago. It's amazing stuff. Well, both presidential campaigns have agreed to push back the next in-person debate. This came after the Commission on Presidential Debates announced it was pulled 
second debate in a virtual format for health and safety reasons. In a statement released Thursday, the commission announced the second debate would take the form of a town meeting in which the candidates would participate from separate remote locations. Well, that didn't fascinate. He quickly objected. And uh, so he heard the commission a little while ago change the debate style, and that's not acceptable. He said, I'm not going to do a virtual debate. So it's now going to be on October 22nd, town hall, uh, and it's going to burn. Well, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi made a dramatic announcement during her weekly press conference. Uh, She said, by telling reporters she intends to discuss a constitutional measure to remove President Trump from office, following questions regarding Trump's health as he recovers from coronavirus. This makes me smile. It's unbelievable. This woman has uh, Trump derangement syndrome so bad. The 25th Amendment allows for the vice president to become acting president if it is determined that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. To me, this sounds like a concession speech on the part of the uh, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. Why would she want to do this uh, just, uh, what is it? Well, less than four weeks before the election. That makes no sense whatsoever. It sounds to me like she's conceding the fact that all the signs point to the fact that the president is going to win the next election. (laughs) She is totally, totally obsessed with her hatred of Donald Trump. It's unbelievable, although she says she prays for him every day. Well, finally, the Washington sharp rebuke to little history lesson Senator Kamala Harris shared during the Wednesday night vice presidential debate, it wasn't exactly true. She said that, well, uh, the uh, president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln, determined that he was going to hold off. There was 27 days before the election. He was going to hold off a Supreme Court vacancy and filling that vacancy until after the election. According to the report from the Washington Post on Thursday, Harris did not accurately describe what took place under Lincoln when filing the vacant, filling the vacant seat of Chief Justice Roger B. Taney. Harris is correct that the seat became available 27 days before the election and that Lincoln did not nominate anyone after he won. But there is no evidence that he thought the seat should be filled by the winner of the election. In fact, he had other motives. According to the Lincoln historian, Uh, He told aides he wanted to delay his Supreme Court confirmation process because he was waiting to receive expressions of public opinion from the country, and that didn't mean he was waiting for ballots so much as 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 the mail. The overreaching effect of the delay is that it held Lincoln's broad but shaky coalition of conservative and radical Republicans together uh, during the next election. Ah, shame on! But that's not the only lie she told during the uh, debate. She told many uh, everything. If you. (laughs) Everything from uh, fracking, uh, that uh, she supported fracking, right down the list, it's just unbelievable. By the good folks at Johnson, Naples' longest established air conditioning company, I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Coming up, we're going to visit with William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's. Great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lullabies down to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M20 Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and now building a new performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. Bob McClure, the CEO of James Madison Institute. Right now we have with us William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. Tell us about the Cato Institute. You bet. Uh, we're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. So, Williams, uh, we've been covering this uh, Michael Flynn saga now for weeks, maybe months, I'm not sure. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the DOJ has dismissed the case, and the Judge Emmett Sullivan wants to continue this thing. Any updates? Indeed. Um, and I'll note that we have been covering this saga for months, uh, alas, um, for the sake of uh, Mr. Flynn, who's been twisting in the wind. Yeah. The latest developments um, this week, Wednesday, I believe, Sidney Powell, Flynn's counsel, um, filed a motion seeking for Judge Sullivan to recuse himself. Um, I, I'll say this. We've noted before how this, course, uh, how this case had, had winded its way up to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. And I mentioned a few interviews ago about how the court had hinted that, that perhaps that was an out to this case, to just simply have a new judge take it on, given sort of the, the many indications and statements that Sullivan has given that 
uh, and indeed the mere action that he's proceeding with the case to begin with, despite right. the fact that neither party uh, wants it to continue, um, uh, you know, that, that it, perhaps it would be appropriate to, to have a different Article Three judge on the matter. So um, that was a big development, and, and there's, you know, a, a, a 10 days, I believe, for uh, the, uh, the government to weigh in or, or for the judge to decide. Um, but I do think, and however he decides, that would create a matter that, that could be appealable to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, which, again, it hinted at this um, earlier. So that is a big deal. I, I, I do think um, I'm loath to, to impugn a judge's motives, but I, I do think that this, this outrage has lasted long enough. I mean, well, Doug, I'm, not, I'm not above... <laughs> <laughs> impugning his judgment, I think he should be uh, disbarred. Quite frankly, for for this uh, for this behavior, who gets it, if in fact this happens, who gets to decide who the new judge is? That is an interesting question, and one uh, I'm, I'm ashamed to say I don't know. I would imagine it would just go back into the pool. I mean, there's a number of, of district court judges huh. um, in, in D.C. in that jurisdiction. So I would imagine that randomized process ended up having Judge Sullivan on the case. Um, they would just uh, reperform that process and exclude him from the, the potential pool. Wow. Michael Flynn has been treated so badly in this process, and I'm, I'm convinced, I don't know this, but I believe that it's simply to keep him quiet until the election is over, and in the hopes that uh, Biden, if Biden wins, he'll be able to uh, make different decisions about this case with the new justice, uh, the uh, attorney general. I fear that's a possibility, and, you know, again, enough is enough. This mm -hmm. guy, you know, he got bulldozed by the FBI, railroaded by the FBI. Um, the prospect, again, that he would be in one administration charged with, with again, what is really a trumped-up, um, you know, this, this lying to the FBI in these circumstances during the, the Obama's lame duck session, and then, indeed, the prospect that were Biden to win, that he be re-exposed to criminal liability. It's just uh, enough is enough. So yeah, uh, I'm pleased with this development. So uh, let's move on to uh, the COVID stimulus here there in the D.C. And, uh, you know, the president said he's walked away from negotiations with Nancy Pelosi. Clearly, some additional funds are needed in order to support this economy get us and keep us on track right now. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, the president, two days ago, he did indeed say he'd be, he ordered uh, – Munchen um, and other negotiators to walk away from the table, but he has since equivocated on that. And and we've discussed many times uh, Trump's art of the deal and how yeah. um, perhaps creating uncertainty is an element of his strategy. And, and I do suspect that's what was going on here. Um, the long and short of it is, at the beginning of the week, um, the White House was pitching a $1.6 trillion stimulus that included a airline bailout that included uh, that paycheck protection program, some funds for that, uh, individual checks. Um, the, the Democrats had drawn a line in the sand of $2.2 trillion. Um, so there appears to be $600 billion between them, which certainly is not chump change. Um, however, as, as early as just this morning, minutes before this call, there were reports um, that, that negotiations have reengaged, and indeed they're heating up. Um, I'll say this, yes, well, apart from whether or not there is a need for some sort of proactive stimulus, I am disappointed that at no point in any of these $3 trillion bills that Congress has, has passed, uh, taken on derail.
stimulus uh, yeah. to own um, when this pandemic recedes. You know what? Point the president has undone a lot of uh, regulations that have, you know, been like walking through saltwater taffy trying to do business in this economy. And he's certainly there's a go on. Great point, and I hope uh, they'll take a look at that. Uh, I can't let you go before asking about Judge Barrett's confirmation. Any thoughts? It proceeding apace. Um, the latest reports were that she's conducting sort of the, the ceremonial traditional meetings with senators, albeit by telephone. Um, I guess the biggest news to report is Democratic infighting. There was an amazing article in Politico um, from unnamed anonymous Democrat senators who uh, basically cast aspersions in leadership of of, of the member of the Senate Judiciary Committee. A great deal of sniping behind Mm. and, and evidently, there is a caucus of, of, Demo- of Senate Democrats who are pushing for the proceedings to be uh, to be led by either uh, Senator Dick Durbin or Senator Elton Whitehouse. Uh, I thought that was remarkable. Wow, that is remarkable. Uh, was there anything in, in the discussions that suggested there might be wanting to support her nomination? So, uh, um, unfortunately, so... Uh, uh, Mansion from West Virginia was potentially that that uh, could come out, and I believe just yesterday he he was not going to do so. But, um, her, her stated opposition to jurisprudence holding the Affordable Care Act, huh. um, which strikes me as a pretty thin soup in terms of uh, you know a, a written record or a written article or whatever. I, I don't think should necessarily uh, uh, set in stone what it's going to. Um, do in the court. So yeah. whether or not that was a pretext for a different reason, I don't know. But it does look as though it would be a party along party lines. Yeah. So interesting. William, so many other things I'd like to speak to you about, but got to take <laughs> and move on with the uh, show. But again, William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute, Cato.org. William, always appreciate your commentary here. And thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. Always a pleasure. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with the CEO of the James Madison Institute, Dr. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Broadcasting Network. Bob here on the Broadcasting Network. Dining destination for Neapolitans, including Lyndon myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden, Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and atmosphere. Taste open seven days a week, all year round. BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Offshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. 
with dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A theater and education center, 40 acres of Avenue and Goodlit Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve the goal of this state-of-the-art performing arts center and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob. Thanks, Joe. Uh, brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, professional New York style theater at its very best. Again, the website is golfshore.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Beagle, the devil at our doorstep. Right now, we have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Dr. Bob McClure. He's the CEO of the James Madison Institute. Dr. McClure, thank you so much for joining us. Bob, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Uh, for our listeners' benefit, tell us about the James Madison Institute. Well, Bob, the James Madison Institute is Florida's largest uh, and oldest think tank. And a think tank is a fancy name organization that generates uh, well-researched ideas. And we advance and really believe in the principles of free markets, Bob, limited government, personal responsibility, and the protection of private property. Because we believe if those principles are allowed to flourish, then every person, regardless of station in life, their chance to pursue their version of the dream and their economic prosperity, particularly in we're based in Tennessee in the state capital. But given the fact that we are a think tank in Florida, we have a place as well. Yes, and I must say that I discovered the James Madison Institute maybe 12 years ago and go to place for all kinds of information. And I just suggest to our listeners, if you want information about what's on the ballot, the amendments uh, on the ballot, you can go to uh, James Madison or jamesmadison.org, if I'm not mistaken, is the website and uh, get great information, nonpartisan information about uh, what's on the ballot. So, Doctor, you've come up with uh, James, the uh, your latest study. Battleground States 2020. Maybe you can tell us about it. Sure. Um, the the there has been so much discussion, Bob, as you know, about uh, personalities. Uh, there's been so much conversation in this race in 2020 about politics, and the media um, has kind of really on both sides tried to shout through the discussion of real policy. So the James Madison Institute, given the fact that we are that addition, um, uh, decided to really look at what each would do if elected. So let's see whether Donald Trump is brutish or Joe Biden is sleepy or, or <laughs> cognitive. Let's get past the kind of media obscurity of, of politics and questions. Let's look at their policies. Let's see what will happen to the American people if Joe Biden's elected and do the same with Donald Trump. And so what we did, we brought in two eminent economists, uh, Tony Villamil from right there, uh, just east of you in Miami, um, who has been an eminent economist for nearly 40 years. Mm. And then we, we also brought in uh, Donna Arjuin. Both economists have done tremendous work for us over the last 20 years. And Donna's partner is none other than Art Laffer, as in the Laffer curve. Yep. I mean, an eminent economist. And so Donna and Tony uh, were going to look at each candidate's platform and do the research. Having said that, 
Uh, we've done this in the past just for Florida, and we did do it this year for Florida. But this year, we were asked to include four other states, hmm. Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, and Wisconsin, and Florida. All very different economies, all very different demographics, Bob, and yet all are very important battleground states to the future of the country. Elections have consequences. So let's set aside the personalities and the politics, and let's look at the policies and see what each candidate would do for the American family. That is so interesting. Uh, now, I'm going to ask you to tip your hand if you would. Can you share with us uh, some of the findings? I mean, I'm going to go to jamesmadison.org. I'm going to take a look at the study myself and review it. But can you tip your hand on some of the findings that you had in, some, in uh, for example, Florida? Absolutely. We released this study just this past Thursday. And so it's been about a week. And just uh, as you and I were talking off air, it's been, it was picked up on Fox Business News, and it's also been picked up on townhall.com. So it's already begun to take off. The reality is that if you look at in Florida, you, know, you have a state like Florida, which is one of the most dynamic states in the country. If you take births, deaths, and in-migration, <laughs> that's about 1,000 people a day that show up in the state of Florida. Mm. That, you know, that, that is a very dynamic state. You know, because your area of the state is one of the fastest growing in the country. Yep. And so we looked at um, Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris's proposals. So they, they, have, they have on their website, and, and they have said in the past, they want Medicare for all. They believe in the Green New Deal, um, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And what we found, what Donna and Tony found, is that if they were able to implement everything that they have said that they want to do from an economic standpoint, that is Green New Deal, raising the corporate income tax, raising the individual income tax, um, uh, Medicare for all, that in Florida, that would count for a de facto tax on every single individual Floridian, Bob, of about $9,300 per year. Wow, that's unbelievable. Uh, for right. well, I point out just in my judgment for benefit and, and perhaps at the at the expense of uh, improved health care. Right, exactly. That's exactly right. I mean, you and I know that Medicare for all is not quality of care and that Obamacare as much as it's been touted on all on the two previous debates is very expensive, has very high deductibles, and is really not a very good program, despite what uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have said, is we know access not access to care. But having said that, you're talking about uh, a de facto tax on every single floor, $300 wow. a year. And on a family of four, Bob, yeah. you're talking about $37,500. Um, so think about that. Yeah. Think about that on an annual basis, what that would cost a family of four in the state were Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to implement their entire agenda. And, uh, you know, what would happen to the economy in Florida as a result? Are the, are the findings similar in other states? They certainly are. I'll give you one more statistic here in Florida, and that is Florida has a state budget of about $95 billion. It's a little less. It's, it's between 90 and 95 you slice it up. Mm -hmm. The short estimated shortfall for a fiscally conservative, well-run state, Florida has AAA bond rating, one of the best in the entire country. The shortfall on an annual basis for the state of Florida would be about $10 billion, Bob. So the, the state legislature would have to find a way to cut services drastically 
or raise that $10 billion as a difference for the state budgets. And that's just mind-boggling. That is mind-boggling indeed. I must say, my view is that I think the governor is doing a terrific job. And I think what he, what he called Agathon, he was going to uh, reduce regulations in every department. And I think he's done a great job of that. I think uh, it would be a real step backwards if we had a Biden-Harris uh, presidency and vice presidency. Yeah, the governor's done a terrific job. And you saw that pre-COVID with the state's economy. You also see with this current economy that the governor has chosen not to lock down forever and not to have kind of endless draconian lockdowns. And so Florida's economy in fits and starts, no doubt, but certainly asked about the other four states uh-huh. and all of the other same consistency. Each state's very different consistency. So, for example, let's take Pennsylvania and Ohio. They depend tremendously. Their state's economy depends tremendously on, on traditional fossil fuel extraction, on oil and gas. Both Democrats and Republicans in those two states support and the use of fossil fuels. Well, um, under um, the Biden-Harris plan, both he has been very clear on tape uh, and in public settings that he would want to ban fracking. And, and um, even though he said in the last debate he didn't want to do that, that's not what's on his platform. That's mm-hmm. not what's on, excuse me, in the platform. That's not what's on his website. And remember now, he signed the Unity uh, platform with Bernie Sanders. And in that is the full and total implementation of the Green New Deal yeah. and the elimination of fossil fuels by such and such a date. I don't remember. For people from Pennsylvania, be a cost of about ten thousand six hundred dollars per year in a de facto tax on the people of Pennsylvania, which translates to about forty two thousand dollars for a family of four. In Ohio, it was very similar. It was eleven thousand. It was twelve thousand dollars wow. per person to, uh, which translated to about forty eight thousand dollars uh, on an annual basis. Wisconsin was a little bit lower in part because its economy is very different. It was about 9000 per individual, and Michigan was about 85 In all five states, this study shows that the Biden um, implementation of his economic platform would cost these taxpayers, because in the end, that's what, it, that's what it boils down to, right? For every voter, what does this mean to me? About $8,000 to about $14,000, depending on the state in each of these states. Unbelievable. Kind of, such an interesting study, too, because well, we don't think about just uh, extrapolating and figuring out what this is all going to cost. And uh, Dr. Bob McClure, I think this is such an interesting study. It's again called The Background States 2020 is the, is the name of the study, and you can find out more by visiting jamesmadison.org. jamesmadison.org. Dr. McClure, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Sharon. Sharon is the author of Where Should We Eat? Uh, We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring... 
Passionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I could only imagine prior to knee surgery and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition provide personalized state-of-the-art treatment and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to the Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company? Ads are played live on each show, and then our listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and moral imperative, and I'm so proud to serve on the board. I hope you'll visit the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Right now, we have with us Sharon Kenny. She writes commentary in travel, entertainment, and dining, and she also has her own book. It's called Where Should We Eat? Sharon, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Sharon. So uh, I know you're a fan. Again, I read the all the stadiums in Florida to full capacity. That's like 65,000 people over there in the Miami Stadium. I'm a football fan. Wow, I didn't hear that news. That's very interesting. Well, the stadium, one of the stadiums in the country that was open to football um, for fans, but at a very reduced capacity. I think there was 13,000 out of 60,000 seats. And um, so for the two home games last weekend and the weekend, two weekends before that, um, which was great to see live sports again, I yeah. must say. And just out of curiosity, how hard was it to get tickets? Well, we had season tickets. So it was, we had our season I heard that you could still get tickets um, on uh, Ticketmaster. Yeah, for the interesting. Game. You might be interested in knowing that the ownership of uh, the stadium has decided that, uh, or the Dolphins, have decided to keep attendance as it is, even though the governor's opened it up. And I just really value the fact the governor's made this decision and allowing business owners and individuals to make their own decisions about their own health and the safety of their patrons. What are your thoughts? Well, yes, I think that, you know, I'm speaking personally, though, having the social distancing in the stadium was quite lovely. It's, actually, it's kind of like being in the restaurants with six feet between the tables. Yeah. I'd like that to be all the time because I hate people <laughs> sitting right on top of me. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. So, uh, Sharon, any... In our returns and all of this uh, 
as we're hopefully anyway, um, that we have great news out of Miami. If you are a foodie, as I am, as you know, yeah. if you follow the big restaurants, the big um, we have three of the greatest chefs in the country, well, in the world, restaurants in Miami. They have, as of this week, all reopened. Um, B, number one, I would say Joel Robuchon, his atelier in Miami, just reopened uh, two days in Miami in the design district. And it had opened before the pandemic. It was only open, I think, a couple of months when it had to close. And it has reopened. It is the most food-centric, the most foodie. Uh, Joel Robuchon's atelier, Joel Robuchon's a famous, famous French chef. He actually died a couple of years ago. But his ateliers are all around the world in all the major cities. Wow. Atelier is French for workshop. And it is a very, very concept, small plates, very, very... Um, avant-garde food. And downstairs, for those of those of you who are vegan, um, is his other restaurant called La Jardiniere, which is vegetable forward. Mostly vegetables on the menu. There's a couple of fish on the menu, but most of the menu is vegetable driven. Mm. And it is also open as of a couple of days ago. So Atelier and Le Jardiniere. And then uh, Thomas Keller, who is probably America's most well-known chef, his surf club restaurant has reopened this week with its full menu. It's in the Four Seasons Hotel, which is a hotel, Seasons Hotel, Surfside, beautiful. But anyway, his restaurant is up uh, full service. It had been open uh, for the past couple of months, but with a very, very limited menu. But it is now back to its full menu. So that's very good news. Our thought, final one, number three, is Jose Andres, who is also one of America's best-known chefs. His restaurant, Bazaar, has, has been open, more limited. Now it is full speed ahead, restaurant Bazaar, which is in the SLS Hotel in Miami Beach. Mormonish, but who, um, a well-known chef um, in, in America. So that's the big three. That's yeah, the big so three. Restaurants are opening. First thing is it's great to see small businesses open again. So that's that's an important point. The, the environment is a lot different on the East Coast than it is here on the Paradise Coast, isn't it? It has much more. Um, it has been much slower to reopen, yeah. but that's as a result of the Miami-Dade uh, yeah. County, the density um, and the numbers of COVID. You know, were much much higher, yeah. and so also Miami Beach. Uh, we live in Miami Beach part time, and the issue was tourists. Yeah. And um, a lot of college kids, you know, when COVID hit and they closed all the schools and the universities, all those kids headed down to Miami Beach yeah. <laughs> because they didn't have school. So, hey, let's go to the beach. Yeah, so so that was a real problem. We did have to make uh, much stricter measures in Miami Beach, but those have all lifted now. So and it's we- good to see the atelier, for example, get people that were working. It's a workshop. It is. There were uh, probably, t- we went for a friends and family event yeah. on the very opening night. We had, I think, 10 of us were guests, and there must have been 40 people working in the restaurant. That's great. Well, you know, we got a call from a friend uh, yesterday. He said, uh, we go over to Bites. and said, we enjoy it so much. Would you join, join us tonight? So we're going to go over there tonight. Uh, any thoughts on, on Bites at the Ritz? Well, the Ritz always has great restaurants, and so that's nice to see that they're reopening in to their main restaurant, mm-hmm. uh, the Steakhouse, and it was not open as of a month ago. I don't know. What I don't know either, but uh, it's uh, the Ritz is opening, and uh, so we'll be over there tonight. I'll give you a report next week on how it goes, but uh, my friend, uh, hey, 
food is great there, and it's wonderful He said, you know, we, we don't eat a lot in the evening. We eat mainly our big meal during the day. So he said this bites concept is terrific. So Yes, yeah, so small plates. That's a, that's, so the atelier is all about small plates as well. Uh-huh. But bizarre, you can, get, you can just eat off of the appetizer menu, basically. Interesting. Well, for those that enjoy going over to Miami, some great scoop there. So Sharon, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to talk to you, Bob. Thank you so much, Sharon. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dave Bigo. Dave uh, wrote a book called The Devil at Our Doorstep about the travails of dealing with union bosses from SEIU. Over the course of two and a half years, he prevailed in his battle with the bosses. They wanted him to sign a neutrality agreement, allowing them to go by and intimidate his employees and get them to sign an agreement to, to unionize. And if once they got to 50% plus one, voila, they're unionized. Dave said, yep, if you're going to have to do it with secret ballot, not through intimidation. Slunk away like Dave prevailed, wrote a book about it. The devil always admire his work. So we're going to visit with Dave, that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I hope you find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Dave Bigo. Dave is the owner and CEO and founder of uh, Executive Services, over 40 state closet employees. And as I mentioned, he wrote a book called The Devil Out Our Doorstep about dealing with union bosses and all their dirty tricks over the course of two and a half years. You just can't even make the stuff up. It's so unbelievable. It's a great read, The Devil Out Our Doorstep. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, uh, Bob. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing great. Thanks, Dave. So um, I know you're tracking union activity. Uh, Anything going on that's uh, of note about what's coming up to these elections? Well, the unions are... Um, uh, especially the teacher unions are big time behind uh, Biden and Harris, and uh, they've they they've committed a, a couple billion dollars to get them elected because, as I've said many times, uh, down and take the Senate, and they want to change this country to a socialist country. 
Yes, they do. And uh, I just talked uh, Dr. Orr from the James Madison Institute saying how much it would cost us here in Florida, as well as other uh, 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 battleground states. Uh, <laughs> it's just an enormous expense if they would have their way. This is maybe the most important election that we've had in the history of the country. Well, it is. And, um, you know, they've been trying to bring Trump down ever since he took office. And uh, this is a continuation of the coup against him. You know, they've done so many things and tried to impeach him. Right. And um, the, this is election is uh, their their final, you know, step to try and get him out of office. Well, uh, Nancy Pelosi threw up another little bomb yesterday. She said she wants to do do some work around the 25th Amendment, which allows for the continuing capable. <laughs> she's cheating so much. She's deranged at this point. I can't. The, the other thing she wants to do is something that's going to start today to have this discussion. It almost sounds like a concession speech saying that he's going to he's going to win the election. Yeah, it could be. Um, you know, he's behind in the polls, but I'm not a real believer in those polls out there because I think they are mishandled by the media, and uh, and then uh, that's to get people to vote for Biden and Harris. Yeah, well, I I agree with that, and uh, in fact, I, I think the the polls are part of the media and who who are against the president of the United States. Did you hear that he's actually going to ball show today? I'm not. He's not a guest. He's going to host the show for three hours. No, I didn't hear that. Yeah. Really. That's yeah, that right. ought to be it. You know, we'll be tuning in. I don't know about you. And then he's going to be on Tucker Carlson's show tonight as well. And he's considering uh, doing uh, doing uh, the uh, town halls or the rallies that he does uh, in uh, this weekend. He's got a couple of states to fly out and do this as well. So he's an unbelievably energetic man. And I think, again, he'll win against all odds. Well, I hope he does because uh, we need to protect this country and from the left who wants to bring it down you know all these people out there that um, you know hear these promises by the left that they're in free education and free this and higher wages and all that kind of stuff um, that isn't going to happen bob at the end of the day they don't care about these people they're just saying this stuff to get their vote well, that's absolutely true uh, have you heard also that the nba committee of social justice matter messaging will largely come to an end next season when you see viewers eight percent during the final <laughs> finals. yeah i know i know and again bob you know, i know people probably get tired of hearing me saying this but the unions are behind this stuff because you know all these nba and nfl and major league baseball players are union and uh behind the scenes the uh, bosses are controlling them and they're controlling the uh the owners and the uh, presidents of the leagues. Yeah. You know, uh, people are just wondering, how can you vote for President Trump? Well, as we pointed out earlier with Bob McClure uh, from JMI, uh, he said, you know, you, you got a policy that's not just the abrasive, but you know what? When you think about the First Amendment and freedom of speech, if you think about the Second Amendment, defend your family, and your, you think about uh, conservative justices who are going to support the rule of law, you think about the Bill of Rights, and you think about the retirement of your own 401k plan. You just go down the list, protecting the Electoral College, protecting the Constitution. That's what the vote is about. It's not about some guy with red hair. Well, that's exactly right. And, um, you know, Trump has, has done a lot of great things, and he's protecting the right things for this country. But he need to be uh, more professional when he's appearing on programs. He's uh, uh, doing the debate against Biden because uh, all he does is like a bad person that people don't want to vote for mm -hmm. and 
and he's just throwing bullets out there that the left can shoot him with. Yeah. Well, Alan, what did you think of? Uh, how, how did you think of Pence did the, this uh, past? I think Mike did a pretty good job, and you know, you depend on you know what you read. Uh, the left thinks they won, and and uh, but other places think uh, um, Mike Pence won, and um, and I think he did. I think Kamala kind of showed herself. Now she wasn't drastic as I've seen her in the past, and uh, you know refused to answer questions on things like the green stuff like that and um, all those things and uh, just kept throwing out the things that they want to do and uh, well she's um, she is, uh, she's saying lies I mean she says yeah, they don't want to do the green new deal they don't want to uh, uh, end fracking I mean she's uh, she actually uh, said said the what's on her website I know I know and that's the thing and uh, and she she got a little riled up about some things and uh you know, um, depends on keeping his professional side and, uh, you know, and he, and he tried to, um, you know, um, when she, when she was lying about things and lying about things that the president done, he, he tried to answer those and that, but, uh, he kind of got shut down by the, the gal that was running the thing. Yeah. Well, uh, with regard to your comments about professionalism and the way Trump during the, during the debate, you know, these uh, moderators are basically against him as well. So he's against uh, not only the, the candidate, Joe Biden, but he's also the moderators are asking questions that I think are quite, you know, why, why didn't he ask about his 47-year history, ask about Hunter Biden? Why didn't he ask about a number of things? I mean, criminal charges have been filed. Not I shouldn't say that. And a criminal investigation is underway right now against uh, the behavior of uh, Biden right now. Uh, the Department of Justice is looking into his behavior. And, of course, you have the Durham investigation that's going on. I mean, this, there's so many things that should be considered by voters. Uh, when percent and, um, you know, um, this, this, is, this is what they do, though. And, uh, yeah. and it's sad. And uh, they're going to continue these attacks and everything. And it's like, you know, she... Um, said that he did he's done terrible with the coronavirus but um you know there's a i've seen a couple article lately uh, that um the um what uh, trump has done with the coronavirus uh, and the politics of bravado uh were the same as what fdr did and that uh he's done some good things and um and also when you look at the coronavirus uh his treatment for covid um is coming soon could uh, unleash the um, uh, the treatments that people need and vaccines across the country. Absolutely. I mean, it, I, I think he was so appropriate in his comments once he came out of the hospital. Basically, uh, don't be don't be uh, swayed by fear. Don't be controlled by fear. Live your lives. Uh, just be careful. You know, make sure your social distance. I thought that was great. I don't know if you're aware, but here in Florida, uh, the governor's opened up uh, the economy fully, 100% in restaurants. And in fact, he announced yesterday that he's opening up stadiums to full capacity for football. You know, it's things as normal. Of course, now he, you know, he could uh, turn the dial again and up if he begins to see more cases or uh, some, you know, flattening the curve going up and not having enough hospital capacity. But uh, I, I really appreciate the fact that the governor here in Florida is saying, hey, you make decisions for your own lives. Watch out for your health. Watch out for the health, health of your neighbors. But uh, we trust decisions. Well, I agree with you 100%. And, uh, but again, this is their of wanting to control things and uh yeah you know they, they want to shut down the economy and stuff like that and of course that's going to hurt the people and things like that and yeah. 
I mean, when you still look at, yeah, um, the United States has more kids. States is one of the, we're the mo- one of the most traveled uh, uh, where people right. are coming, and that's hurt us uh, more than anything. It's not what Trump's done or not done. It's um, uh, who we are and uh, in the world, and uh, we have all kind of people wanting to come here. And of course, that uh, elevates the chances of COVID. And and we love our freedom, and we don't trust government. So again, Dave, well, that's exactly right. And. Uh, we need to open back up and get people to socialize in out there. I hear this from people all the time when I talk to them. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I mean, you still look at it. Uh, the number of cases in this country are only about 2% of the population. Right. And, da- um, again, uh, David, we got, yeah, Dave Beagle, again, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. But you can get, uh, go to devil, thedevilatourdoorstep.com. You can also get a copy at a nice discount on my website or, of course, at any book purveyor. It's a great read, The Devil at Our Doorstep by Dave Beagle. Dave, always appreciate your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on. And uh, hope Florida really blooms down there and, uh, um, um, and uh, the whole country opens up and does that. Absolutely. Thank you, Dave. All right. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you'll visit with us uh, on Monday. We'll have Mark Shulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, about current world events, and Jack Wirt, the executive director of the Naples, Marco Island, Everglades Convention and Visitors Bureau, will be with us as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>